This is the Horse Talk Show Podcast with Louisa Barton. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show, presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. We've been giggling on the break, if yeah. you couldn't tell. And Corey shrunk. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a jockey. He's a little guy. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. We got a, a great full house shot. this morning. Yeah. Um, shout out to John Thorman, or the Thormanator back there, producer of the show, and Cody. Um, from Digital Savvy this morning, doing an awesome job as always. We've got Suzanne Pierce from DAC Vitamins and Minerals. We've got Corey Rogers from Corey Rogers. Uh, courtesy of Seminole. So um, I wouldn't B. forget the name. You know, right? You ran out of ideas. I think I need to lower my chair. You do. We've got Squeak Larkins, and she's from Turning Point. She does kinesiology and uh, oxygen treatment, and she actually did that on my horse this week. Yeah. And of course, you know me, I'm Louisa Button, and we are in the horse capital of the world, the real one. We're going to talk a little bit about choosing the right kind of horse for your needs at all levels, and Squeak's going to tell us uh, about how to do that. Well, we we are primarily talking about barrel horses here, but because at this time and the way the barrel industry has become since about 1992, when the NBHA started off with originally a 3D concept and it morphed into a 4D, which what that means is that if you go to the barrel race and there's a hundred people there, the the 1D winner is the winner of the whole thing, and then they go to a half a second to start the winner of the 2D second division, and then they go from the 1D a whole second to start the 3D, and then they go two full seconds to start the 4D. So that's so everybody understands. Well, that that brought on a tremendous uh, influx of all levels of barrel horses because now you're talking about basically a 1D horse would be in my realm because I'd rather rodeo than do a lot of shows but so a lot of times you got to make a rodeo horse by going to a lot of little shows and Corey knows what I'm talking about um, and, and, <laughs> and any, any event you know you got to you know start off down there but anyway what it has done as far as it has opened up the barrel racing horse market tremendous they finally now have a uh, a whole registry of stallions that are considered barrel horse stallions which was not true when I, when I was first winning in barrel racing and rodeoing and going all over the country there wasn't any such thing as a particular barrel horse stallion uh, people like myself I still prefer a, a more cut and horse bred horse that's what I always go look for is a cowie bred horse you know but they are the the biggest majority of the of the barrel horse sires right now are going to be more racehorse oriented you know they've either been to the track or they're half you know racehorse either by being half thoroughbred or by being you know have you know barrel horse i mean racehorse sires but anyway what that has done is i said it has has created these markets for people that for instance can either only afford a certain level horse and or their their abilities are that just like what Corey was talking about when you're working with horses you got to be working with people I too have done clinics all over the United States teaching people basically I didn't do barrel clinics I've always done how not to have a problem with your horse but, <laughs> but, but the thing was that we always had barrels involved but what I have done to show people through the years is is often do exactly what he was talking about I was like saying he could just do my segment today because <laughs> that's what I talk about you know to get a horse when I get horses in which I have uh, and I said and I didn't I never meant to be known as somebody who quote quote fixed barrel horses and I 
finally told people, I don't fix them. I, I, I educate them farther. And so in doing that, you make it where somebody, you know, will have to learn to do some horsemanship skills or they're going to go right back to doing what they were doing because you can't take out of a horse what he knows. What you can do is add to his education and, and, and build on that. But so anyway, like I said, doing that, now you got to realize what are your, you know, what's your level of horsemanship skills because that's going to have a lot to do with what level of horse you need to be on. Now, everybody starts off wanting to go into barrel racing and they want a 1D horse. However, that's bad. However, <laughs> exactly, that's real bad. it's real bad. And, and one of the bad things is for somebody to start off right off the bat and they automatically just go to the 1D on that horse and then they think they can do it with all of them and that's not so. But the other part, like I said, is some people are not ready to be riding a 1D horse. You know, they need to accept the fact that, you know, that having a, a 3D to a 4D horse to start off with when you're getting going is, a, is an ideal situation. Um, it's nice to know the that you've got one. Suitability is really yeah, important. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's very important. And, and, you know, I have people all the time tell me, well, I don't, I don't like to ride. They call it, they'll call it a push horse. I call it a steady horse. And, um, they don't want to have to push real hard. So basically, it tells you they don't want to have to work at it, you know. So, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, they want, they, they think they want a free running horse. What they don't know is they really don't want a free running horse. Because on a free running horse, you your timing has to be pretty impeccable mm -hmm. to get that horse to, to rate just enough yeah. to make that turn. Whereas a, a SETI horse, he's kind of going there in mind, you know, like my, my new horse that we you know, I've told you about, he's got a lot of thoroughbred in this sucker, and but on the bottom side, he's a lot of cow, you know, foundation bred. He goes, he goes out there hunting for a barrel. I mean, it's like, you know, as you go out to the barrel, you're, he's going to turn because that's what he's got on his mind. That's what I call a, a cowy, seti mm -hmm. kind of horse. When you got one that goes out there and he just keeps going like, well, what, you know, <laughs> what do you want, you know, those are the kind that, you know, the, the, you, you I really do need. Right. Right. You know, right. you know, I off a cliff it, and not think it, about That's it. what I'm talking about. And I've, I've always yeah. said yeah. that. Yeah. Somebody, and somebody tells me, oh, my horse will go through anything. Oh, I don't know that I want that mm -mm. horse. I want a horse when he goes, goes to go through briars. I want him to not want to go. I want it, me to have to make him go. When I have a horse that will go right through anything, uh -uh. no, I'm like, he'll go right off the will. He'll go right off. Yeah. And I've always said that. We have a few out in the Greenway, yeah. it's just not real high. You know? <laughs> or a sinkhole. Let's yeah, it's a sinkhole. Yes, there you go. Sinkhole. But, but ha ha relating all that to, again, suiting the horse and rider is that's why they do as a whole need to learn the horsemanship skills <coughs> it takes it, it is no different it's just like uh, most of the time when I've had horses in the past that came to me because there was an issue that needed to be fixed quote quote I didn't ever work barrels that's not how I fix a barrel horse. And people are always saying, well, you got to run fast. No, you don't. You can fix that horse because when you get to my barnyard and, and I get on him and I use a leg and a rain aid on him and he doesn't respond properly at the walk, He's, he's not, not going to He's not even going to come close to responding, <laughs> exactly. you know, yeah. and running. So I, you know, I usually do that to, to again, try to fit that horse to that person. They do say... Yeah. You don't try and run before you can walk. Exactly, right? exactly. There's a reason they say that. Yeah, and so, but I do, I mean, I do a lot of exercises that every, it would fit in with everything. I said, I rode eventers for years when I was high school, college. 
I do know lower levels of dressage work, which I have done on barrel horses forever. And now, like I said, nowadays everybody thinks it's something new to have mm. a Western dressage, and I'm like, no, no, no. We've been doing. Monty Foreman was doing that in the 40s and the 50s. You know, it wasn't anything that new. It was just, you know, people wanted something new to go compete at. So that's what they're doing, and that's fine. It's just that we've been doing it for a long time on cutting horses, reining horses. You know. I, Barrel horses more now. Just, just gave it a name horse. and yeah. started. Yeah. yeah, but all of those <laughs> things are what help get a horse ready for the level of rider they're capable of. And now, when you're gonna, you know, if you take a, a horse that goes out there and he does the very best he can, I mean, absolutely turns the best he can, runs what he can, and he's 4D horse. That's a 4D horse. It's not going to change. When you go out there and you take a horse, that, that's why I use the the you know, the 40s places to get a horse schooled. You know, when I started off that new horse and he hit a lick in the 40, I was thrilled, you know. Now, I, and and the only reason he's doing so well now in less than a year of actual barrel training is because he was really broke when I started. Mm -hmm. He was an eight-year-old. You know, he wasn't a three-year-old. He wasn't a four-year-old. Makes it a lot easier. And it makes it a lot easier. He broke. He's, I said, I think I told people, and he is. He was a 2017 AQHA Florida High Point all-around horse. Yes, that's that horse that I I bought, <laughs> and I didn't, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I didn't know that he was all that. I knew he was broke, but I didn't know he was all that till after I, sometime this summer. The the owner, the previous owner, who was Vicky Hoyt, she came and she said, "Let me show you all his, you know, what he won last year." And I'm looking at, it and I'm like, "Well, well, you know," I'm like, "Well, he's all this," and she went, "Yes." But but again, the point being is. If you start a barrel horse off being really broke first, then the, the job becomes easy. You know, it's like one of my good ones I have at the house that I can use to put anybody on to show them stuff. His first two years of life, all he did was work cows yeah. right here in Williston, Ocala area. Yeah. And and he's a broke dog, you know, he's and but when he started barrels everything was easy. You know, and stuff like that, even though I started him a lot younger. But the the people that you know, want to come out here and and pay you know big bucks for a one D horse and aren't ready for it. They can make you can actually make a one D horse be a four D horse real quick. I mean, the wrong yeah. person. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Wrong person. Yeah. Well, what about personality? Personality yeah. as as a lot. You know, there's a lot of people that don't understand that um, paying a lot of attention to the mentality. And you know it takes a lot of sensibility and a lot of grit to have a one D horse. Um, again, I, when I was on week before last, and we talked about gate problems. Like I said, when when somebody will in an ad say they're in search of and they want no gate problems, well, let me assure you, there's not a horse out there with a gate problem that somebody didn't create. Right. They don't just come here with a gate problem. You know, it's created by what the person conveys to them, and so you know. I, I said, my everybody's always amazed. My horse's flat foot walk over there to go in the alleyway, and then we go. You know, and it's like, it's it's the way it should be with all of them. It's just hard to get people to not transfer all that tension down Energy through the reins, yeah, into yeah. the horse, and and that's what creates gate problem. There, there's there's people I know out there. I've seen them over the years. They they have every horse they have has a gate problem. Well. 
instead of saying, denominator. You know, yeah, right. and, instead of say, and then one of the worst things they do when they have a gate problem is reach down and pedal mm -hmm. and tell them what a good boy they are. And I'm like, no, oh, I'm going to whip your butt. Yeah. <laughs> this next time, you know, we're going to whip your butt and you're going to move. I don't let, I don't whip their butt and take off. I usually whip their butt and say, now when I ask you to go, we're going to go. You know, which I have gotten a lot of horses in with gate problems and. It's not always easy, it's but it's a you, people problem. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a people problem. And, but, and think of how they probably practice their horses oh, too. You know, oh, all the time running a hundred miles. Yeah, yeah. and, that, and that's one understand. of the that's me either. And I've been and I said people will say, oh, you, oh, you're that barrel racer, and I go, no, no, <laughs> I'm. That's one of the things I do. I yeah. show cutting horses. You know, I've ridden. A, uh, eventers, not on the level they do nowadays. I'd be terrified now. Have <laughs> <laughs> you seen some <laughs> of those jumps? On the, on the cross country. Yeah. yeah, the tables and the cars. Oh, I know, and but when I, when I was doing it, it was pretty spectacular. I was, like I said, I was in high school and college in Virginia, and it was really a, a cool thing to do. I, I was up to an intermediate level, which was really nice, you know. I don't know what it would be now because they do it as a star, three and four star, whatever. I'd probably be a minus one star or something. I don't know. I know I would. But no, I, I mean, I was very successful. I mean, I came from that being, in fact, I, I tell people I came from doing that and I was kind of at the top of my field in it. And when I, I got tired when I moved back home to Florida, the subjective stuff in the hunter, there was no... There was no eventing here then, and I had to show hunters uh, or and George Jumper. That is all. And when it was when it was so subjective, I I went. My brother and my sister they were back rodeoing again, like my our dad did. But my dad was the open jumper champion in Florida, like three years back in the fifties, you know, and and also a PRCA calf that's roper. Cool. So from but, over from over jumps and to yeah, round barrels. Exactly, and and, and so that's what you do. <laughs> and cutting, but you know when you when you. Uh, when I started doing it, I actually went from what I said at the top of my field in eventing, I went to under the barrel because I had decided that there was a better way. I didn't like seeing horses standing up and turning flips and doing back you know, deals and spitting BBs and before they went in. And I was like, oh, there's a, there got to be a better way. I was sure there was a better mousetrap out there for it. And I, I was right. It just took me about seven years. And R.E. Josie, which is Martha Josie's husband, told me because I worked for them for a couple of years and had I did not even own a barrel horse when I worked for them. I, I was coaching and teaching people and I was roping. And um, so I was more his student. <laughs> and then I taught people in the barrel part because I was teaching horsemanship skills and stuff, but, but uh, and I rode barrel horses that Martha had, you know. And Ari, when I went back home to Florida after a couple of years of working for them, you know, he said, he, he called me Squeaky Jean, I have no idea why. But he would say, Squeaky Jean, you've got this figured out, you're right, you know, you what you're doing's right, you just keep at it. He said, it may take you seven years, but you got it, you know. Well, it took me seven years, and I, I told him when I when they met me in the TBR when I won the Texas Barrel Race in Futurity, and they got in the win picture with me and everything. You know, he said, "I told you you had it, Squeaky Jean." I said, "I know, but it took me that seven years." <laughs> <laughs> At least he didn't say it takes you fifteen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we got to uh, go yeah. to break. Uh, thank you, Squeak, yeah. very much. Uh, a turning point, and I am going to keep you updated on Sonny's progress with his yeah. oxygen yeah. therapy treatment. Hi guys, this is Louisa Barton. I really hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Horse Talk Show podcast. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube and let me know what you thought. Now please go out there and share the podcast.